there, and welcome back to the Youngcast. My name is Erica. And I'm Chris. And we love to dissect the Bible. We yeah. love to go into scripture, books, and really just uh, figure out what they're saying and how to make that applicable to us. We especially like doing that for young adults because it can seem a little disconnected, but it is all connected, right? Very much so. It's very connected. So, we like hearing from you too. We love that. If you want to reach out to us, just all the social media things, Instagram, the Facebook.com, or you can email us at the Yamcast. I'm just kidding. You're looking at me like, no. You're messing I know it how all to, up. No, I know how to do it. <laughs> no, I know how to do it. I just am not doing it. <laughs> I'm not doing it on purpose. Yeah, so the social media is the Yamcast or yamcastpod at gmail.com. There it is. It's it. like those it's just more fun to mess it up. Yeah, it's like when um if we were perfect all the time, then people would seriously start to wonder if we script this all. I don't know. The fact that we like making would. people know that they don't we don't script it all. But it's like I remember when I would work out in the gym. Because yes. I don't do that anymore. Um and why was that a lot? I would not be because I I don't do that anymore. I would I would love to still do that. Sure. Maybe in the future. Sure. But um I remember when we would be doing some sort of workout, squat, pull up, something, and the person who runs the gym or like our trainer would be like, "You're doing that wrong. You need to do it this way." And then I would say, "I know." And he's like, "Well, then do it right." So it's kind of like that. That's and you're like, reminds me of either I don't want to, or I really have no desire to. Yeah, because he's like, "Well, if you know, then you need to do it." And I'm like, "I know," but it's usually because I'm tired. That's when my form goes, you know, right? But I usually say I can't do pull ups because I'm large. So, I get like three or four in. Th- then you can do pull-ups. Yeah, and then that's it. But when you have to do like 50. Well, then you take a break. And then you come back and do three and four That's more. a lot of breaks. Take a, I mean, you just chip away. That's why it's called a chipper. Here's what I start doing in my head. I start doing <laughs> the math of this is going to take 17 breaks. <laughs> so true. And then I get two in one time. And I'm like, dang it, now i got to take 18 breaks mm-hmm. at least. Next thing I know, it's going to be 25 breaks because I'm only going to get two at a time. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, but this body was not made to pull up. <laughs> was not made to be lifted off the ground. Correct. <laughs> I can do so when, like, I can jump. I can do push-ups. But pull-ups just seems ridiculous. So anyway, all that to say, I think you have a call to action. Yeah, so we here at Go the work Yamcast. out at the gym. Yeah. <laughs> the segue is no, not going to be not the call to action. Yeah. But... We would like you to do something for <gasps> us, those people that are listening. Hello, everyone. Sharing, as they always say, is... Sharing is... I don't know this one. No, caring. It's, it's caring. Oh, I do. I do know it. <laughs> I was actually hoping you would say something random. Care, bear, share. I so, honestly was trying to think of something that rhymed with sharing that... <laughs> was it going to be But caring? there's a limited amount of words. I could have said bearing. Sharing is... Ba- Dar- which? Sharing is daring. Oh, okay. That's a good one. It is. But we would like you to share us. In a daring way. In a daring way. Sharing is daring. Um, So you can do that on social media. Yep. Tag us, and then we can see that you've done that. Yep. Um, Give us five stars. you can also just talk amongst your friends. Yeah. With the things that you're learning that we're talking about, because I know you're learning things because we're super wise. If someone on the street has ever said to you, man, I would love to learn more about the book of Hosea. You should just be like, yeah, cast. Yeah. Sorry if that was really loud. No, that's exactly what they should be doing. Yeah. So I bump into people on the street all the time that want to know about caring. Hosea. It is caring. So. And daring. 
I apologize. It's not swearing, though. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That would be bad. We've gotten off on it. Sharing that. is caring. Do so. Yes, so please share. Give a review. Yeah. Share us on the, the podcast systems that you use. Just share us. Yeah. We want to build an audience. Let other people in on this yeah. beautiful thing that we have going on. And as on. much as we love you, you're not enough. We need more. <laughs> if you've been around long enough, you know that that's sarcasm coming from Christopher. Oh, I don't know that I really... Because you are enough. Oh, that's... Yes, that's what I meant. Totally true. So, I think it's a good call to action. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you. Good job. Right. Good job. All right, here good we go. for the read-through. Read-through. We are in Hosea 7, mm-hmm. verse 1, and I will say that verse 1a technically kind of belongs to the last chapter. Well, it's not capitalized. No, it's that's why. So it it's this weird thing. But I No, but I love, we're going to read it all, starting in verse 1. But then I'll say this is from the last chapter as well. Really, is that's a problem with whoever numbered these things. They're bad at numbering. Golly. But that's their problem. Verse 1. Whenever I would heal Israel, the sins of Ephraim are exposed and the crimes of Samaria revealed. They practice deceit. Thieves break into houses, bandits rob in the streets, but they do not realize that I remember all their evil deeds. Their sins engulf them. They are always before me. So what stuck out to me in this was when he said, I I remember all their evil deeds. Yeah. Like, we know that he always knows, but for some reason, it doesn't change us doing wrong. Like... When we're younger and we do something, like, sneaky behind our parents' backs, mm-hmm. like, we know that they don't know. They might figure it out, but in that moment, they probably do not know. Whereas we know God knows everything, and he always knows, and he knows what's going on, and he, all the time. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I think we still think we're sneaking behind our parents' back. And it's like, there's no sneaking that needs to happen, because he already knows. But it, but yeah. him knowing, we don't, it doesn't change what we do a lot of the time anyways, which is kind of crazy to think about. And what's crazy is I don't know that the Bible is telling us to think that way sometimes. Like, I think we, we assume, here's where I'm going with this. I think we assume that we can't go to the church because the walls are going to cave in on us or something Mm. because God has seen us do that. So we we don't belong there. And what the Bible is actually saying, you know, these couple first verses for me, he's allowing this to go on for some period of time. And you have to start asking the question, what is his end goal? What is his end purpose? If he's allowing them to do these things for X amount of years, he could end it, right, mm-hmm. in a he second. Yeah. And all he has to do is speak a word and it's over. And if he's not, that suggests that either he has a longer plan in store or he's allowing it for a purpose that ultimately is going to reach to his ends. And I don't think we think about God that often in that way. And so we usually freak out when something bad happens to us. You know, like when I read... Bandits rob in the streets, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think everyone's like, well, why doesn't God just wipe out all the bandits in the world? Well, if he did, did that, like, I'm a bandit every once in a while. Not not literally, you know. But, yeah, I haven't really true. I haven't stolen anything now, but when I was in sixth grade, I walked into a gas station and my friend said, can you steal something? Is, do, you, do you think your goody choose your possible? It's possible for you to steal something. And I remember thinking to myself, well, yeah, I can steal whatever I, I want to totally steal. Did. Watch me. And so I put... I think it was Skittles and a Mountain Dew in my coat. One of those old uh, starter jackets. Oh, the half zip with the pocket in the front. So, yeah, I totally walked out of the store with that. I'm a bandit. 
And then he'd be done with you. Not at the same level. that's what we were doing. Yeah. If I walked out of that store and I immediately fell down dead, that's what I deserve. But the fact that he doesn't, I think, suggests a little bit that maybe the God of the universe and the God of the Bible is gracious from the first page all the way to the end. The question is, how long will we try that grace? Yeah, isn't that true? And that's not a good thing Mm -hmm. for us to do. Moving on, verse 3. They delight the king with their wickedness, the princes with their lies. They are all adulterers, burning like an oven, whose fire the baker need not stir from the kneading of the dough till it rises. So what I found interesting in this one was um, talking about the oven, whose fire the baker need not stir. Like, Mm -hmm. they do not need help in getting worse and worse. (laughs) Like... Nothing needs to be stirred. I imagine Satan isn't even doing anything at this point because they have just taken it. Like, they don't need help in continuing to worsen their fate. Like, they're doing it all on their own. Yeah, I think we sometimes think of the two angels on the the shoulder sort of thing, you know, Mm -hmm. like the one that's telling us the good thing and the one that's telling us the bad thing. The truth is the Bible is pretty clear. From the first story where the serpent whispers till the end story— He's not involved in every one of those rebellion moments. Mm-hmm. And one of the scholars that I like to listen to or theologians that I sometimes spend time just like processing the information they put out, he said, you know, humans are really good at messing their lives up on their own. They don't, they don't need a <laughs> ton of help anymore, which is part of what we talk about. When we talk about the fall, we talk about our flesh being pointed toward the wrong things. Uh, that's just the reality, which is part of why I struggle with, younger folks in the generation and that we live in in general, because everyone just sort of thinks, well, I, I want to do that. So it's not, th- why would that be a big deal? Why, like, is that a bad thing? why yeah. would I want to do something that's bad? Well, because we want to do all kinds of things that are bad. Like yeah. that's what you do. You are that. Like well, I no, I'm, I'm a good person. I that's mean, not true. I remember, I think there's you saying this in a sermon once, like, so it's probably, and brilliant. so I've, so I've used it a few times. Um, but you don't have to teach children how to do mm bad things. You have to teach them how to be kind, how to share, how to love, how to, like, you don't teach them how to be selfish. They already are that. And so that, that just for me was like, then yes, we are born with that already ingrained in us, you know? Mm-hmm. No, it's totally true. I mean, we just, we it's just kind of who we are. And I did say that in a sermon, it, partly because I had little babies walking around in my house and I realized they're evil pretty much from the get go. <laughs> and I'm like, this is crazy. We don't, you know, yeah. you don't teach a kid to be manipulative. They just learn it by being, they want something. So they're going to stare at you with the eyes that they think are going to get it. Mm-hmm. And if that didn't work, they're going to try a different tactic. And then they might just steal it. Sure. You know? Before they can even talk. Yeah. It's ridiculous. If I cry this way, I'm going to get this. If I cry this way, I'm going to get this. Mm-hmm. Mm. Evil. Evil. You girls are evil. <laughs> Verse five. On the day of the festival of our king, the princes became inflamed with wine. And he joins hands with the mockers. Their hearts are like an oven. They approach him with intrigue. Their passion smolders all night. In the morning it blazes like a flaming fire. All of them are hot as an oven. They devour their rulers. All their kings fall, and none of them calls on me. So he's really liking this oven analogy. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if we've seen it. It's happened like three times now. Really unliking it. Uh, It is a triplet, yes. It is but intense. It is giving you a very good visual. I mean, like inflamed with wine. 
right? Their hearts are like an mm-hmm. oven. They approach him with intrigue. Their passions like smolders, like it's burning under the surface. Like it gives you a very good visual. It blazes like a flaming fire, you know? And we all have imagery of this, right? I mean, we if you've ever gone camping and you let your fire burn, you know, and it gets down to the, you know, the little, not kindling, but, you know, the little coals that are left and mm-hmm. they're, they're, it's not a, Full-born like fire. So embers. you you go to bed, embers are burning, but you're not afraid that the fire is going to burn. And you mm-hmm. wake up the next morning and it's all ash. But if you just scratch away at the ash a little yeah. bit, you can get those embers going again, throw some wood in there. Already ready. You don't have to light another fire. Uh, how is that not like us? With our sin, with our desires. Always just bubbling under the surface. You know, like recently I took on a, a, a different diet phase to be with Heidi, who's going through some, she's, she's trying to adjust her diet to deal with some things that are going on in our lives. And we're like, all right, let's just try this and we'll do this and we'll see how it works. Uh, the fire burns for cookies. And <laughs> it doesn't you, it? You know, it just, it just, you're, when you say like no gluten, no dairy, all of a sudden everything you want is, does that have cheese in it? Oh, seriously. That cheese dip has cheese in it. That's incredible. Like, That's dairy. I've actually made vegan cheese dip before, so. Just so you know. That sounds horrendous. It actually was really good. Okay. Well, that sounds so, horrendous still, but. <laughs> if you want the recipe, just let me know. Yeah. Every time I eat something that's not real dairy, I'm like, this is unreal dairy. You cannot find an actual cheese, though. Like, Daya, whatever that's called, D-I, yeah. that is not good. I know. That's what I'm saying. None of those are good. Yeah. yeah. None. I know. And None. I have. Sometimes they're not bad melted, but I feel like they always smell like nast. Right. Sorry, we're totally getting no, totally. Topic, but no, they but this, smell this, so bad. It's on topic though. Yeah. It's it's yeah. all part of it. And then in the middle of that, you start thinking, you know, like nine eleven. Why shouldn't I just go back to regular cheese? Is that what you <laughs> is that what you go back to thinking? Well, like nine eleven, like when the building fell down, that fire burned for months. Yeah. So the issue is still there the whole time, and they're pulling it away, and it's still hot. Mm-hmm. And I think about it like even though I'm walking with Jesus, and I am. There are moments in my life where I'm just so alarmed at the thoughts that pop through my head, mm-hmm. right? Or the actions that I feel tempted to take part in. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, well, if I took that money, no one would ever notice, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, there's just these weird things that flow through your head, and you're like, that's not right. Why are you thinking? Yeah, that? you're like, why? I've been walking with Jesus for, yeah. you know, almost 30 years at this point. Why in the world would I think no one would ever know if that $100 Bill just floated out of the plate as we passed it around for church, which we haven't done for a long time. No, so I can but use an el- el- illustration. But nobody would, I mean, who would know if I just took the no whole one would know. Box? No one would know. Yeah, I mean, and walking I, out with it's the just box. dumb. Yeah, like hey, everybody. <laughs> and of course, I'm not doing any of those things. But no. it's just like these dumb thoughts that float through your head, and you're like, this passage makes so much sense. I'm still. It's up. burning there the whole time. It's always there. I love that God has saved me from it. I love that God is molding me away from it. But holy cow, like it's not nonstop there. So I love the imagery that he's using there. I, I'm totally with you. Verse 8, Ephraim mixes with the nations. Ephraim is a flat loaf, not turned over. <laughs> Just one of the great lines in Hosea. Flat loaf. Foreigners sap his strength, but he does not realize it. His hair is sprinkled with gray, but he does not notice So they're so far down. You have so many joke opportunities right there, and you're just not going to take any of them. What? His hair is sprinkled with gray, but he does not notice. Oh, I, am I supposed to refer that to you? No, fine, we're good. Is, that, is that supposed to be a? No, I'm glad to you're be, not oh, going to make a joke. Oh, are talking about Chris right here? I just is have expect. Yeah, I have expected <laughs> that. Okay, go ahead. Do your thing. Um, 
it's just crazy that they're so far down this path of destruction. Like, they don't even realize the things that are happening around them. Like, they don't even... Because I think what you just talked about, when you talked about the thoughts that still go through your mind, at least you're alarmed by them, and you should be. Which I think is the Holy Spirit. Whereas this, they wouldn't have an alarming thought. They would just say, then take it. Like, it's coming around to you. Take it. You know, like, they wouldn't even... They wouldn't even bat an eye about having those thoughts. No. So the fact that you have the thoughts and you find them alarming and you're like, what in the world? Yeah, as you said, is the whole, like that means you're following the path you should be. Right. Because we're not going to always be perfect and have perfect thoughts all the time. No. You should be alarmed when you're not alarmed, right? Like right. you should have a wake-up call when you realize, I was not even phased when I had that thought or when I did that thing or when I, whatever it might be. Yeah. And I don't, sometimes I say to myself, I don't like this version of me. I don't know what I'm doing here. You know, this is a big thing that we struggle with in today's world. There are individuals who are passionate about making sure that we don't slip off the ledge. And those are usually prophetic voices in our time. Like there are people right now who are very nervous about debt in general. And they, they should be because Mm -hmm. I don't see how the whole worldwide system that we have set up is sustainable Yeah. much past, I don't know, 20, 30 years from now. You know, I just, I can't imagine that this thing's going to end well at the pace that we're going. And so people would say we should be more fiscally responsible as a nation, as individuals and whatever. Some of us heed that. Some of us don't. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And the ones that don't heed it are just like, well, what? we're fine. We're great. And I think, and we said this before with with Hosea, I think some of the issue with Israel is when you look at the data in front of you, you can make a case that the prophets are wrong. Because, for example, if this is during the time of, you know, Jeroboam or just after, that is one of the most opulent periods for the northern kingdom. Israel has more money than they're ever going to have again. They have more influence. People are... So things are going great. Yeah. There's... And if, you're, and if your one-track mind is looking at this, the, the data in front of you, you might say, God loves us. Yeah. This is why we have all this. And if I have more than he has, it's because God loves me more than mm. he loves that person. So what's the big deal? And Jesus is going to push back on this pretty hard and just be like, part of the reason why you have anything is to share with your brother so that that why, every, that's why you have more. Everybody's better off. That's what shalom is. It's the sense of peace. It's the sense of, and what God is talking about here is really just pushing back on that whole idea. Like you're looking at all the data and you're totally missing it. And I don't, I don't care how loud I shout, you're not listening. The, the oven's burning in your heart. You're never going to stop doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So you're just like all the other nations. You are a flat loaf that's not turned over. You're, you're being burned on the backside mm-hmm. without, I mean, that's just a great idea. So, or as the last line there, his hair is sprinkled gray, but he doesn't notice. You don't even see yourself in a mirror. You, you know, it's kind of like James says: you look in a mirror and you turn away, and you don't even forget. You remember what? Don't even remember what you look like. You mm-hmm. forget what you look like. And that's really the idea: is we just we are so comfortable in our own skin and everything else that's going on around us. We don't even pay attention to other people, and we lose track. Mm-hmm. And then God has to deal with that at some point. So, unfortunately, that's what's going to happen. Verse 10, Israel's arrogance testifies against him, but despite all of this, he does not return to the Lord his God or search for him. Ephraim is like a dove, easily easily deceived and senseless. 
now calling to Egypt, now turning to Assyria. So, so when I read this, the turning, the calling to Egypt and turning to Assyria, like, I kind of saw this as instead of going to God like they're supposed to, yep. they end up trying to create treaties with these other people, right? Yeah. Is that what that is yeah. about? Basically That's to save themselves and to protect totally. themselves, right? Yeah. And I just was like, man, don't we do that? <laughs> that sounds familiar. I mean, granted, we've been talking about this a lot through Hosea, that like it's not just an ancient book mm-hmm. that is meant to stay there. It is meant to be applicable to us as well. And we should see ourselves throughout this, as we've even just talked about today numerous times. Sure. But we do this all the time. Like, instead of going to God, who can fix it, we turn away from him, and we go to try to find all these other things in attempts to fix it. And, like, it's not going to work. No. This can be true personally in your family. This could be true uh, in your church, where... All the signs are there, but no one's repenting and turning back to God. They're just trugging along with everything's fine. It could happen in local situations. It could happen statewide. It could happen nationally. It could happen globally where we just, we do just what you're saying. We just. We call, try to fix it. We And we call on other people to help us rather than the one who really can help. Mm-hmm. So if you just bail me out here, then I'll be great. You know, how many times have you had somebody ask you for, you know, if you just give me this now, like I promise it'll, it'll never happen again. Everything will be great. And you'll take care of me and I'll, you know, I'll come back. I'll make, I'll make sure to take care of you later. <sighs> Instead of just going to the one mm-hmm. who wants us to humble ourselves before him yep. and trust that he's going to take care of it, whatever that looks like. So verse 12, when they go, I will throw my net over them. I will pull them down like the birds in the sky. When I hear them flocking together, I will catch them. Woe to them because they have strayed from me. Destruction to them because they have rebelled against me. I long to redeem them, but they speak about me falsely. The 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 line I long to redeem them, that really got me. Like that's his heart, the whole and like and that's what I think is so hard is He's like, you don't even know me anymore. Right. The whole like you speak about me falsely. Like right. you don't even know my heart. You don't know what I truly long to do. And what I truly long to do is to love you and to save you and to redeem you, but you keep going every other which way instead of back to me. And then you actually don't even tell people about me correctly. Like you, yeah, you speak about me falsely, which comes right after I long to redeem you, which must mean that they are thinking he is against them, which he technically is in a sense. Um but basically that, yeah, he's a, he is not loving at all, which is not true, which is really sad. Yeah, and I think that's an element of it. I think the other part of it is they don't even know that they need redeeming at this point, too. Mm. So it's both, it's a both of those things. You know, some are realizing, oh, man, we got to get this right, and God wants to redeem them, but it's too late. Second, God wants to redeem them, but they all think everything's great. What do you, Why what do we talk? need it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think they were annoyed with prophets like this. I really do. I think that they looked at them as, as crazy individuals who didn't understand what they were talking about. And I look at today, and it's very common today, too. You know, People are just saying, hey, like, time out. We need to, we need to chill with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we just don't do it because we don't like hearing the truth, and it bothers us. Well, I mean, they talk about that often in the New Testament 
I think it's Steven that talks about Mm -hmm. that before he gets stoned, where he's like, you had all of these prophets and you never listened to them. Like, why would you listen to this person? Or why would you listen to me? Like, totally. You're not going to. No. So. And even Jesus says that in the, do you remember the the rich man and Lazarus story? Mm. But at one point the rich man says, well, okay, then go tell my family. And, and Jesus says, no, you have everything you need in the prophets and the, the law. Like. Yeah. yeah. Mo- Moses and the prophets have already said it all. How are you not listening to them? If you're not going to listen to them, you're not going to listen to a dead man. You know? Yeah, yeah. You're like you're crazy. You're missing the whole point here. But yet, you're right. We live like this still. That's actually a really good story that people should go read. That's a good point. Um, where is it exactly? It's in one of the Gospels. Luke. Is it Luke? Um, it's Luke but yeah, like eighteen. I'll look it up. The guy dies, and he basically goes to heaven or whatever, and he's like, "Oh, I need to go tell my family." About this, mm-hmm. and he's and yeah, the God's but God's like he, they've already been told through yeah through the prophets through all of those things. If they're not going to believe them, they're not going to believe you coming back to tell them either. And it's just really yeah. Anyways, I remember reading that. No, it's it's a great one. And obviously, we've I've read that like numerous times, but for some reason, obviously, like things spark well, and at that's, different times. That's the whole. It's Luke sixteen. Well, at the end of that chapter, yeah, and the rich man is in. It's not really hell, but it's something like he's able to talk he's to like, he's able to talk to I Lazarus. I want to say purgatory because that's not really right. Yeah, but, but he's able to talk to Lazarus, who's in Abraham's bosom, which means just a space that God's people are, and he's asking Lazarus to send him some cool water, even though he didn't give Lazarus the time of day while he's alive. Yeah, it's it, a really. It good actually story. fits yeah. really well with where Jose is at right now. So mm-hmm. you're right; it's a good. So Luke 16 is a good place to go. Because I just remember reading that and being like, "Wow, people, we need to." We need to be doing our job here. Yeah. Speaking of doing our job, <laughs> verse 14. They do not cry out to me from their hearts, but wail in their beds. They slash themselves, appealing to their gods for grain and new wine, but they turn away from me. Again, trying to fix it on their own. And it's again, like... Consistent pattern. God does not ask you to slash yourself or like mutilate yourself in order to gain favor with him. Totally. All he asks is that you come to him. That's it. With and, a with a repentant heart, you know? Yeah. And they would rather do this <laughs> than, than just turn to God, which is crazy to me. Have you ever been in a prayer meeting where things aren't happening fast enough and the people just keep praying louder and louder and saying more and more things because they think that God's suddenly going to like... Oh, he hears me now. The switch is suddenly going to flip for mm-hmm. him. It drives me nuts. Just drives me nuts. All right. Verse 15. I train them and strengthen their arms, but they plot evil against me. They do not turn to the most high. They are like a faulty bow. Their leaders will fall by the sword because of their insolent words. For this, they will be ridiculed in the land of Egypt. So what I, yeah, I took from this, that people around them are are going to mock them. Mm Like, I mean, if you think about it, they're God's people that are not following God. And the people know these things. Like that they're, you know, God's chosen people. But they're like following other gods. And I just imagine them, yeah, just basically making fun of them. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, let me pick that thread up right now in the deeper dive. So I got two topics for you. One is I, I want you to notice what the Bible is suggesting, that the nations around Israel believe that they have a God in charge of them and that Israel has chosen a God in charge of them. It is a consistent pattern throughout all of Scripture. It is always there, which goes back to our very first couple podcasts, this idea that that the nations were given some type of angelic authority. Those angels, many of them, ended up you know, doing terrible, terrible things and rebelling and, and not acting like they should. But later on, you know, in Isaiah, uh, when, when Assyria is actually moving in to conquer, they will say things like, your God sent our God in to, to wipe you out. And some scholars have like freaked out about that saying like, that's ridiculous. Or Hmm. Israel's one true God is the true God, the Lord of hosts that we see in other places in scripture. He's in charge of the angelic host and this angel, angelic being, even though they're in rebellion, God says to Assyria, yeah, all right, go do what you're going to do to Israel. Mm -hmm. And that is crazy to think about. So all of the people around them think, well, that's just, you just have a God. Like we have a God too. Our God's better than your God because we're going to wipe you out. And they're all missing the point that Israel's God is the one true God. Mm -hmm. So that's a a consistent pattern throughout scripture. That's the first of the the deeper dive. The second one is really what I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about with you. Um, Did you notice what chapter seven was as far as like literary style? No. You don't have to know. I'm just curious. No. So it is a lament. Okay. Now, biblically speaking, this is something we don't talk about a lot, so I wanted to bring it up in this podcast episode because lament is a it's, a, it's a tremendous thing. There's a ton of psalms that are psalms of lament. Mm-hmm. And what a lament is is just an overwhelming sense of sorrow for something, so then you just cry out, right? And typically what a lament looks like, and there's, there's a bunch of different scholars that talk about this, but the one that I... I think it's probably the most helpful to us is has six parts. Okay. So a lament in order to be a true lament, first of all, gives an address to God. So it calls a problem out to God. It says, God, pay attention to this thing that's going on. Number two, there's a complaint attached to it. I don't like Mm -hmm. this because yada, 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 or this is bad because blah, 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 blah. It's God, how long are you going to let this happen? That's a bunch of Psalms like that. You know, God, are you ever going to look at me again? I can't believe this is terrible. Then the third part is there's an expression of trust in God. Every lament moves from just, God, I I know you're up there. I don't like what I'm seeing, complaint, but I trust you. And most of us today, we lament just stuff because we don't like it. Oh, God, why is my burger so cold from this this fast food line? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But really, I mean, those are the problems that we have. You know, like, why did my coffee so hot that it burned my hand? Like, God, are you even there? You know, or... Do you even care? Yeah, I joke with people, you know, like, all the lights turned red on me today on my way to work. Clearly, God, why do you hate me today? The world is against me. Right. And then you look at real problems of people today in the world, Afghanistan, Haiti, elsewhere, and you might say, those people are lamenting. And often what ends up happening is you just, you assume God hates me, right? Mm -hmm. And that's usually where we go with lamenting, full stop. Yeah. God, I know you're up there. God, you hate me. I'm going to wallow in these dust and ashes and scrape myself with pottery like Job or something. Mm-hmm. The, the problem is what a, a true lament in Scripture is, is it's a turn toward an expression of trust for God. And then that trust, that expression of trust in God, like, I, God, I know you're real. I don't like my situation. Leads to then for a plea for deliverance. Mm. God, only you can fix this. And then five, 
there's usually an expression of, of assurance in God's faithfulness. God, I'm asking you for deliverance, and God, I know that you are a deliverer who is going to save me. And then usually it ends with hallelujah, some type of word of praise mm-hmm. to the Lord. What's amazing in these laments, who's saying them? Well, Hosea. it's only Hosea. Yeah. But, but he's speaking on behalf of yeah, he's, God. There's a lot of us. So God is speaking. So God never turns toward a plea for deliverance. He never gives an expression of assurance of God's faithfulness, and he never gives a word of praise to God. He doesn't need to do that for himself. Yeah, right. He's got it. But what he does is he's addressing the people in his name, and he's saying, you're better than this. I've created you, but you're like, you're my family. This is better. There's a complaint. Israel, you are not getting this, and you are so messed up. And Really, there's like there's really no expression of trust in God because you don't have to trust God. But yet he's a desi- he's desiring that they would have a trust in him. Mm-hmm. Why are you going to Assyria and Egypt? Like you should be, you should be wanting me. Like mm-hmm. I'm right here. You should be wanting this and, and being a part of what we're doing. So this is a very strange lament. The entire chapter has multiple breakdowns that are just like little clips of lament, and you broke them up mostly with mm. your your little breakdown in the verses when you when you divvied them all up. Every one of these things are just like. They don't make sense, right? If you said, God, there's no expression of trust in you, there's no expression of assurance in your faithfulness, there's no word of praise, because he doesn't need to do that for himself. But what there is, is there's an address to God, there's a complaint, and then ultimately, he has a desire to, to deliver his people. Yeah. And I think it's so beautiful that God gives us the pattern of lament throughout all of Scripture and encourages us, this is why I used it for the deeper dive, to read the Scriptures and understand, you're hurting right now, that is totally okay. Mm-hmm. I, I want you in your hurt to look to God. I want you in your hurt to complain to him. And then I want you to express trust in him. And I want you to ask him to deliver you from it. Then I want you to aim for the assurance of his faithfulness. And then I want you to, to praise him at the end. That's what a lament should look like. And we just, we have lost the art of it. So I thought I'd resurrect it. Yeah, that's good. For the purpose of this. Alrighty, let's get practical. Let's get practical, practical. All right, so I remember when I was younger, I knew, this kind of goes back to, to turning back to God, like I knew I should be turning back to God. Mm-hmm. Like I rem- I can vividly remember laying in bed at night thinking I should be praying to God right now, <laughs> but because I had been going my own way for a while, I didn't. Like I wouldn't turn back to him because I knew that I had been wrong and I didn't really want to face up to that. Right, like, I like I I literally remember laying there being like, "You really should be praying right now," like the Holy Spirit basically saying those things, and I was like, "No, nah. meh, I've I don't like I don't want to deal with what I know I need to deal with," you know, mm-hmm. like I knew I should be crying out to Him, much like kind of like the prodigal son, like you you believe you'll in some ways like you can't go back. I mean, that's why He took so long. That's why He was literally living with the pigs, you know, because you believe in some ways that like you can't go back. You screwed up too badly. It might not even sometimes be that you screwed up too badly, but you just don't want to face up to what you did. Like I imagine with the prodigal, yes, he knows he screwed up badly, but he also probably is like, man, I shouldn't have left. And now I'm going to have to deal with that. And I don't want to deal with that. Like, I don't want to deal with my dad looking at me like that, like disappointed. I Like, I don't want to deal with that. So I'm just not going to. So then we try and we fix it ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Like with the prodigal, I mean, he tries to make money on his own. 
And he's probably doing it for a while until he realizes, like, man, the servants at home get fed better than I do. Like, I could at least go back and be a servant, you know? Mm-hmm. But we do. We try to fix it. Whatever we think we can do to fix it, we might, as you talked about before, like go to certain people to fix it, or we just literally keep running in the wrong direction yep. because we just don't want to f- to deal with it, and we know where to go so that it can ultimately be fixed, but our pride really gets in the way, and we truly just need to be humble mm-hmm. and like turn around and come back to him. Because, I mean, the prodigal, he the father ran to him and yeah. was excited that he was home. There were no disappointing eyes. There was no conversation of I told you so. There was, you're home. We need to have a party. And that's exactly as it is. It's not like with our parents, and our parents usually would have the disappointing eyes. Mm-hmm. They still love us, but... There is going to be some of that, we're going to have a conversation about this later, you know, kind of a thing. We're going to learn from this. Whereas with God, like, it's just like in the prodigal, just excited that you're home. Yep. You've already learned what you needed to learn. So, for the let's get practical, stop running when you've done things that are wrong. It has not been, you're not too far gone, but you do need to let the pride go and you do need to own up to what you've done. And that's part of the problem why we don't is because we don't want to own up to that. Yeah. And sometimes that's the biblical sin of pride, right? We want to do things our way versus his way. Sometimes it's also because he's been spoken about falsely to, to you. Oh yeah. So true. You know right? what I'm saying? And that's the only thing I would add to what you're saying. It's, it's really, really good. I, the, the amount of times that I've had conversations with people, especially young adults who are convinced because they heard from somebody, something about God, Right. Or they're convinced that, you know, the church doesn't always do a great job of expressing who God is. What? And so in the long run, they run away from this idea of him that's not even close to accurate. And later they have a vision of him in some way. I don't mean like a real vision, but just they, they see someone who really loves God and they go, whoa. That's what it's supposed to be like. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so if you're struggling with God right now, you know, or if you're someone on the street who was told to listen to this podcast because, because you, wanted, you, you wanted to know about Hosea, uh, just to pull it all together here. You know, the idea is that sometimes people have, have wrongly explained God to you. And, uh, man, go back and listen to some other podcasts, spend some time just processing, like, who God is. It doesn't mean that God doesn't have a standard. He absolutely does. Hosea is showing that, right? I mean, mm-hmm. God has a very strong standard of what's supposed to be happening and isn't. But God is also incredibly gracious, and he's there for you, and he's ready to lead you home, just like you just said. It's good. Mm-hmm. Council Corner with Erica. All right. So I'm not sure if this is simply a young adult thing or if it's like a certain personality type thing. But I've just been experiencing a lot of people committing to things and then not following through. Mm. And just here to tell you that is not a good character trait <laughs> to be uh, going about. This is a let's get practical and counsel. It's a little bit. It's yeah, a little like bit. It. Like I'm noticing, and I am noticing this a lot with young adults, that it almost is like they would rather save face by committing and then backing out later and thinking that it's almost better 
And I think for them it's better because they at least were able to commit in the beginning and then they can just text you mm-hmm. later on and say, I can't, I can't make it, I'm so sorry. Thinking that that's almost the better option. Instead of just being up front and either saying that you're not going to be there, even though I think sometimes you do have the intention of being there, but really looking at your schedule and really seeing if you can make it happen or saying, I don't know, I'll have to get back to you. That is not a bad thing to say. No. And that person would rather have that, just just to be clear, that person would rather have you say, I don't know, I can't commit right now, than you committing and then backing out because you're putting them in a really rough spot. Right. Most likely. Right. And it is not fun to to be planning something or whatever right. it might be, and then you now have to scramble to fix that. It's um it's not fun. So just don't don't commit if you actually can't make it. Right. Because it 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 doesn't put you in a good light. No. And it might make you feel fine. But yeah, that person is not loving that interaction <laughs> when they're having to like figure out what they're going to have to do. It's definitely worse. And especially if it's a consistent thing in you. If you're constantly doing this. Mm-hmm. Like then you're not reliable. People aren't going to want right. to come to you. They're going to label you as flaky, which is not a great thing to be. Like just don't commit. Yeah. In some ways, just don't commit. Just say, I'll have to let you know or I'll get back to you. Sure. And yeah, that would be better than committing and then backing. Because I think you truly think that that's, well, easier for you. But like we don't, we don't love that. No. Most people don't love that. That's adult. love. That's adulting. Most, none, nobody loves that. It's adulting 101 right It there. is actually, Yeah. And as Jesus says, it's better to be the person who says, no, I'm not going to come to that, and then you show up and help out, as opposed to the person who says, yeah, yeah, I'll be there, and then you never do it. Yeah, I know. I was thinking of that. It's a really good, there's, and a I lot, mean, there's a lot of good parables that Jesus gives. I mean, he has some good things to say. It's all right. All right, everybody, Hosea 7 in the books. Enjoy. Every little minute of it, including the parts where we were being ridiculous. Talking about not doing Not that those Jesus. ever happen. <laughs> I like the idea of the night. All right, everybody. Bye. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Yamcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Remember to check us out on all the socials like Instagram at the Yamcast. We love to hear back from you guys, so please leave us a comment or a review, and we might even send you guys a sticker. Also, if you have any questions that you'd like us to answer here on the podcast, you can email us at yamcastpod at gmail.com. That is yamcastpod at gmail.com.